Thank you for having me come and share. I was supposed to come sometime in September, and then I was going home, and then I wasn't going home, and then I was going home again, so it just kind of was like, Pastor Gary, you know that I really do want to come to Terrace Bay. <laughs> and he believed me, which I did really want to come to Terrace Bay, but my trip was a little up in the air for a little while. Um, so thank you for having me come and share. I Right away, I'm going to share a scripture with you that when I was in my training for fundraising was shared with me and it kind of uh, ignited or kickstarted or put the gas, the foot to the gas pedal for, for myself and how I, I view what I do. And uh, I'll do that, make you do a little self in inventory and then I'll go into what I do and then I'll come back with a challenge of what the scripture is telling us today. So uh, we are going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37. I do have a slideshow or a presentation. And uh, I'm making you turn there, but you don't it's not on the screen. The actual words is not on the screen. But if you would like to, what I did when um, they did this exercise with me is I closed my eyes. And uh, when they asked me to close my eyes, they asked me to picture or to uh, place myself in the story where I think I am. They didn't say, this is, this is the character to step into, this is the, they just kind of said, uh, place yourself in the story and who else is there with you. So I'm gonna read. If you'd like to track along, you can. If, if you would like to close your eyes and picture the story, you can do that as well. And uh, yeah. So I'll be starting at verse one for those of you that are following along. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you back from them. I will bring back the land of, the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open up your graves and bring you from them, I will put my spirit in I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your, in your land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, that I the Lord have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. 
So I just want you to think for a second where you may be in this passage. Maybe you're Ezekiel. Maybe you are the dry bones. Maybe you have just come to life and you're waiting for uh, the spirit of God to be, be uh, blown into you. Um, yeah, I am just going to take a moment and pray. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here in Terrace Bay this morning. I thank you for uh, each and every person that's come to church, from the youngest to the oldest. I just pray that the way you have challenged me with this scripture over the past uh, couple years, that this, the same challenge would come uh, would come today. And uh, as we work through it and talk talk through it and and whatnot, that you would just be here in in the midst of it. I pray that you would guide and give direction to each and every one of us in this building and that you would speak directly to us. In your name, amen. So I read a bunch of verses and every time I read this passage, it's like I'm reading it new again and I'm like, okay. And, uh, but I really wanna focus on verse two and I, can everyone see? Am I in the way of anything? Okay. So I am very fascinated by the fact that bones is brought up so many times. And in verse two, it is, bones is talked about probably the most, and then it continues to. So once it's like, you get what bones mean in verse two, it kind of travels through. So the first, first part of it says full of bones. That means that there's a lot of, mount, a lot of bones and that, that represented that a major catastrophe had happened. Uh, great many bones, there's a bunch of them. And it says they're very dry, long dead, and far beyond the reach of resuscitation. And I, when I, I, I read the, I studied the very last one this week, um, and was like, whoa, it was like beyond resuscitation, it's kind of like, nobody's looked at that for a while. Like it's, it's far gone, leave them there. There's, you know, and then God's like, hey, do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel's probably like, eh. Yes, well, he says only you alone know, but I'd be very, I'd be like, what is happening here? So when I see this and I think of the position I'm in and, and Canada on a, on a whole, there's been a major catastrophe that's happened. And it's, it's in the lives of many people, it's through social media, it's through how we treat one another, it's just, it's kind of riffled through all of Canada. And uh, I just, I place myself as Ezekiel in this story, and God is asking me, do you think these bones can live? And honestly, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. This is, seems like it's a long road ahead of me. And then, and then I realize that God's right beside me like he was with Ezekiel. So I'm gonna pause all that, just let that percolate in the back of your brain, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my story and what I do in Thunder Bay. So when I was in my f grade 10, I think this is on the next slide. When I was in grade 10, I was in an argument with my mom and I was a very angry teenager. Has anyone ever had an upset teenager? If you've had, they've probably said very dramatic statements and this was a dramatic one for me. My mom and dad had decided that they were gonna move to Cambridge Bay, none of it. And I, in a very loud tone, maybe yelling, said, I will never go up north. I had just come back from youth camp. I had a great time with Jesus. I knew that I was called into full-time ministry. It was a great time to start high school. And my parents 
thought it was a great time to try and move. So I said, I will never go up north because I feel like I've made some headway in my life and I want to stay here. Um, and my mom quickly came back and said, you never know, you could be doing ministry there someday. And I was like, okay, thanks mom. And uh, I kind of was like, yeah, whatever, moving on. We didn't end up moving, which I was very thankful for. And I, you fast forward into my first year of Bible college. I haven't really thought much about the fact that I said I will never move up north. And I am on a missions trip with my classmates and we are in the Dominican Republic. And I am standing in the blazing hot sun. I said, please, please never call me here. <laughs> it is way, way too warm. And as I said that, God was like, well, how about we go north? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna eat my words fast. I got home, I called my mom and said, I think I'm gonna be working up north. She was like, you remember that time? I was like, yes, yes, mom, I, I remember. And I'm letting you know right now, you were right. <laughs> um, I also, in that first year, the professor that led that course, he talked about his missions work with indigenous people in Northern Ontario. And it wasn't until he talked about his missions work that I actually knew any of the history, which was, it blows my mind now that it, people won't know the history sometimes until they're starting their 20s, which I was 19, 20 when, when he was talking about it. And I didn't actually believe him. I was like, this didn't happen. It's no way that this, this happened. And then it was about a month later, he showed a video in class and uh, up in the corner, it said, name of a place, I, it, was, it was a place, and then it said Manitoba. And it was an indigenous man talking about his journey or his, what had happened in the residential school and the history that came through that. And I went from disbelief to actually being angry about what had taken place and that it was the first time I'd ever heard about it. And I, I placed that as my, uh, kind of like the, f the first time that I felt that urgency to work with the people that I work with. So if we go to the next slide, you'll see that I moved 15 hours north and uh, from where I called home for seven or eight years. And home is also where I, ate my words of, I will never go up north. <laughs> we can go to the next slide. So I am a Mission Canada worker, and this fun little logo is, uh, is the logo of Mission Canada. Mission Canada is a department of the PUC in the, within the missions agency, and they place people in pockets of Canada where there are no workers. So they say filling in the gaps. So there's five gaps, hopefully I remember them. I know at least two of them, because <laughs> this is where I work. But one of them is newcomers to Canada. Another one is French Canada, so in mostly Quebec and then filtering out around there. Uh, urban centers, so Toronto, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, places like that. I like to think Thunder Bay as well because a lot of the things that they talk about in their intercity missions, I actually, or intercity work, I actually end up doing. So I like to think that Thunder Bay is also an urban center. The next one is next generation. So I, as a part of my work, I work with anyone that's, well, mostly just anyone, but my focus is from zero to 18 or zero to two young adults and then indigenous people, which is the last two there is my primary focus. We can go to the next slide. Northwind Family Ministries. I love these people. 
This is the organization in Thunder Bay that I have partnered with as a Mission Canada worker, and I am their Next Generation North lead, which uh, there's also a Next Generation Thunder Bay lead because such a large location. Um, and their, their mission and vision is to come alongside Canadian Aboriginals and others on their journey to know and imitate Christ. And they actually do that through a variety of ways. I think I've spoken through the next slides. If you want to go two slides, that was the mission and vision. So there's three ways that we accomplish the mission and vision of coming alongside uh, Canadian Aboriginals to know and imitate Christ. We do it through spiritual care. So there are a number of staff that will do Bible study, a number of staff that will do one-on-one -on -one coffee, hangouts with people to kind of uh, do life with them, share their knowledge about Jesus and their wisdom. As well as on Sunday nights, we do a Sunday night gathering, which is a version of church for Indigenous people. And how many of you have spent any time in Thunder Bay? Hands up. Does anybody know where City Hall is? If you know where City Hall is, if you're standing at the corner and you look directly, diagonally across, that is where my workspace is. So it's right downtown in the middle of where there's a couple major gang places, there's a lot of street activity and street people and the shelter house. So we're right in the, in the middle of everything that's going on. So on Sunday nights when we open our doors, we have a variety of people come through and uh, we, actually, we actually have to kind of, we have a little bouncer that once we hit a certain capacity, we can't let anyone else in because that's, we can only get, we can only put so many people in the room. But uh, we'll do about a half hour of an activity and devotional for the, the, the street people that come in and they're mostly there for the food. And then we'll do a meal together and then whoever would like to continue to stay, will go into a Bible study. I made a joke last night with uh, Pastor Gary and Elizabeth that some of the street people don't, you know, automatically want to jump into the 12 tribes of Israel. So we are okay with <laughs> letting them go out after they've had their meal. Uh, another way we accomplish is through life build. Life build uh, is like a life skills, a life coaching. Um, they've learned that there are a lot of people within the city that have trouble doing everyday things, um, whether it's because they, of how they grew up or they're struggling through addiction or they're trying to figure out their emotional well-being. It's just a number of, of things that they are struggling with that we provide a space for them to come in and gain support and gain help through the life skills. We also have a counseling service as well as, and that's, they come for counseling and they, it's fantastic counseling by the way, just a little heads up. And then through expression. So expression is uh, a broad umbe umbrella term for doing life on the land, doing family events, doing uh, arts and crafts and just having time together through whatever way you enjoy expressing that. So there, that's the four ways that we accomplish it. Within all of these four aspects actually filter into what I do on a weekly basis as the next generation North lead. Um, so my job, I do the same job in two different locations. So one will be right at the office and the other one is into Northern communities. So if you would like, I think the next slide. Oh, huh. I forgot this. Uh, one of Northwind's values is that life is a process. And at any point you interact with someone, they are on their, they are on their journey to knowing Jesus. So I used to have a word on this side of the, 
on the far side of the the scale, but I was like, I don't really know. A word doesn't fit there, and they could be coming from anywhere. So it's like, you're c- coming from somewhere, and you're going to Jesus. So when we, when people come in through for counseling, or they come through for life build, or for the any form of spiritual care, they are, I believe the staff are with them and walking them through on their journey to know Jesus in whatever, they kind of just like embody the fact that life is a purpose, that life is a process, life also has a purpose, um, that life is a process and uh, whatever, wherever you are in that, we're willing, to, we're willing to step in and work with you in that. To the next slide, family strengthening program. When I came, I moved here last September, so September 2018. When I came last September, we had one family in the family strengthening program, and now we have six families in the family strengthening program, and seven or eight on a waiting list. So this program has jumped, and it has flown, and it is awesome. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So with the family strengthening program, all of the four components that I shared with you is taking place in this program. And the families from northern communities will come to our office or to the campground that we have, which is about 45 minutes north of the city. And they will receive counseling. They'll do life skills together. They get to do stuff on the land or activities together, as well as the spiritual care, <laughs> which is very important, the spiritual care. And while they're, they are together, they are gaining ways that they can uh, interact with each other. So something that my boss often says is that the families that come to the program, a lot of them have history with the residential school. And she references the movie or the book Indian Horse. I don't know if anyone has watched it, but there's a scene in the movie where there's two sisters and they are separated from each other and they aren't allowed to console one another. And when one of them is very upset, the sister tries to console. And when she does, she gets taken away and is said you, you, she's taken care of on whatever way she's taken care of. And my boss, her name's Benita, she will explain that this has happened, that will happen for over a span of about 10 years, and then that, that attachment that they want with each other slowly breaks down. So when you have that happen to a grandmother or a grandfather, and then, it's, then it comes in through the family, and then it's in through the kids, they don't have what I believe God has given us, that, that attachment that we may or may have with our, our, our parents. So often if I am hurt or I'm upset, I want to call my mom because I know that she, she, can, she can help me or console me in a way that I need it. Um, and I just, uh, often that has been broken down. So within the, the counseling, within the, the sessions, they learn ways and ideas and different concepts of how they can build relationship with each other. And then a part of this program, I am the support coordinator. So on the, we call it the other side, they get an opportunity to practice what they've learned before they go back into the, their, their regular way of life. So that can be, I, uh, we had a family come and we played Nerf War, <laughs> which there wasn't actually any Nerf bullets or Nerf anything involved in it. We had these little elastic things that you shot from a sling. And so it, it's Nerf War. And the family, I recognized at one point the entire family was there and I kind of paused everyone and said, I think we need to do family against the staff. 
and I was a really weird dynamic that happened. It was like the whole mood shifted and the family got ready to take down the staff members. I was, when I say a little bit nervous, I was a lot nervous. So I was a little bit nervous and they just started, these things just started pelting at us. And I was like, hey. at one point I was like, how are you so good at this? And the mom pipes, I was like, we do a lot of partridge hunting. And I was like, okay. I'm nervous. And they just continue to go. And then my boss comes in. It's like, oh, it's time for family session. I was like, yeah, it's time for family session. <laughs> it's time to go. And uh, my boss said that when they were in their meeting or when they were in their family session together, they said their highlight was doing the Nerf war together as a family. And uh, it just reminded me that that is a moment or a memory that they have together that they can now go and replicate. And uh, so yeah, I very much love the Family Strengthening Program. Every single week, we do at least two days of it. Um, a detail that I did miss is this family, when they come for an intensive, they will do follow-through days uh, three to five times every month. So they'll come for two days, three, or five more three to five more times. And it's just they can go home, practice what they've learned, come back, gain some more, just to kind of help build them together. Next slide, Compass. So Compass is family strengthening in a northern community. So I, when I would go into a northern community, would provide activities and uh, events and different things that will help the community grow back together. So a lot of communities that we work with have a lot of crises or crises that take place. And when we are called, a group of counselors, child and youth workers, life coaches, anyone would go into a northern community and work with, uh, with what is presented for us. Our main goal is to, just, is to come in and support. We're not there to be like, are the professionals listen to us? We're there to support in whatever way needed. Um, we've done two trips. One trip we talked a lot about the Upside Down movie or the Inside Out. Inside Out movie <laughs> and how uh, like emotions change and uh, like talked a lot about emotional regulation. Second time we went in, we did a lot of support just in the school. We, they needed help cleaning one of the rooms. They needed help doing just keeping classrooms in order. So we went in and we helped in a, in a, in a school. So it was, it was a really, it's a good trip. Next slide. I think there's supposed to be one, one other slide. That's okay, I'll talk about it. Um, there's a high school in Thunder Bay called Dennis Franklin uh, Cromartie High School. And it's a high school that a lot of uh, youth will come to from northern communities. So they are often coming into a very large culture shock because they're in communities that have anywhere from 300 people to maybe 2,000, 3,000, into Thunder Bay where there's 110,000. So there is a lot to do with city stuff, dealing with adjusting to the city, dealing with a new family, adjusting to a new family. And uh, the, one of the things that I am looking into doing is being a part of the high school to kind of make the connection that, uh, so if I've been working with a family or I've been on a trip and they recognize me in the school, they can now recognize me as a familiar person and a safe person that they can go to. So that is my hope within getting to the school. Uh, I believe that I will be starting that in either this week or next week. I have another staff member that goes to the school pretty often, um, but because of my 
schedule. I haven't been able to go with him. And this next slide. If you are very intrigued with anything I had to say and you're asking, Heather, what can I do? Here's a couple things. You can pray for me. I often feel, I feel way in over my head, but I feel okay about it because I do know that Jesus is with me. But sometimes I'm like, God, you're gonna have to really help me here because this is, it's like I'm in the middle of some kind of something. And I'm like, I've got a Bachelor of Theology. So what's going on right now, I'm not trained to do. So uh, it's often I'm in a situation and I, there's a certain question I ask or something that I do or just saying, what, how can I help you? And it's from that I, I uh, am able to do what I do. I'm, I think it's mostly me being willing. And uh, so yeah, you can pray for what I do, that the Holy Spirit will guide me in situations that I have no clue what to do. Next thing is you can come to Thunder Bay if you would like. You don't have to go to the next slide yet. On the next slide, there will be contact information. If you are interested in what I'm doing and you would like to either visit the office or come be a part of something for a couple days or to just check things out, you can come to Thunder Bay. Also, it will be your cheapest mission trip that you will ever do. I say this to other churches, but it will actually be your cheapest mission trip because you're two and a half hours away. So it will be your cheapest mission trip wink, wink, to come to Thunder Bay and work with what we do. And uh, yeah, you can come be a part of, of Northwind and of what I'm doing there. And you can also give. I know Pastor Gary brought up that there will be an offering. Um, if you are interested in the possibility of giving to me individually or on a monthly basis or anything like that, you can talk to me as well and I can give you information on, on how to do that. If you want to know more, I will be around later and we can chat. I believe we're having lunch and I am very excited for that. And we can go to the next slide, but I'm also gonna ask the worship team to come back up. Um, I wanna go back and talk about the scripture. So a lot of what has been challenged in me in here is reflected in the things that I do. And sometimes I am talking to someone and I, I just have Holy Spirit say, do you think these, these bones can live? Um, I wasn't planning to share this story, but I will. I call this confessions of a bad missionary slash Jesus taught me something new. I was in a Starbucks about six months ago. And I was sitting there, I was doing work, and one of my, my best friend tapped me and said, that lady over there is crying. And I was, like, I was like, okay, you noticed she was crying, you go, you go talk to her. And uh, I was unaware, I was into my computer and I just put my headphones back in. I know, not a great decision, but that's what I did. And now over the top of my laptop, I can see this lady crying. And she's very, she's, something has happened, so she's upset. And I'm sitting there and sitting there and I'm thinking I should probably just go talk to her. And then God says to me, do you think those bones can live? And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, you're gonna have to go do something because the scripture that you've been challenging yourself with, Ezekiel went and did something. And I was like, okay. So I got up, I went over and talked to her and asked her, 
I, well, I didn't really ask her how she was doing because I could tell. So I asked her, um, I said to her, I know you don't know me. Um, my name's Heather. Uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about? And at that time she said no. So I offered if I could get her a coffee and then she asked if I could also get her a bag of chips. And uh, I did that and I came back and asked her, is, would you like to talk? And at that point she still said no, but I knew that she didn't want me to leave. So I sat there for a few minutes and then eventually she started to talk. And then she said, do you know a way that I could get help? And I was like, yeah. The, and this was a indigenous woman and she was telling me about the pain and the, the hurt that she's been through. And I said, yeah, I actually know, I work for an organization that supports indigenous people in the city. Here's the location and the place. And it turns out that she was actually staying at the shelter house, so it was within the same block. Now, I don't know if she ever came because there's confidentiality within the counseling service, but um, I had a little moment to, to talk with her. And she left with her coffee, her snack, and when she came in a little while later and sat down, it, seemed, it looked like there was a little bit of life in her. So it was a cool teaching moment for me, and uh, it really encouraged me. So I want to challenge you, similar to, to how God challenged me, um, that is, there's two ways I want to challenge you, and that's the first one. Maybe when I read the story, you placed yourself as Ezekiel, and then the other people that was placed in the story are people that you know don't have Jesus in their life. That may be in your family, within your friend group, or um, the people that you work with. And I would like to challenge you to, to step out in whatever it is God might be leading or calling you to do there. And uh, another one might be that you are feeling like you are the valley of dry bones. Maybe you have had a major catastrophe come in. Maybe something has happened and you haven't felt Holy Spirit with you for a while or the, the four winds that is talked about in, in one of those scriptures, which is, which is uh, referring to the Holy Spirit coming from all directions. And uh, maybe you're also in that place today. I, you can respond either way. You can remain in your, in your seat and kind of just uh, respond in the way of listening to the, to the song or to what God is challenging you to do. If you would like to come up to the front, you would like to respond in that way and you would like prayer, I am more than willing to pray with you as well in whatever area it is that you feel God call, challenging you to this morning.